African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushatama. Uh, thank you for joining us on our various platforms. On shortwave, we're on the frequency 7230 kilohertz on the 41 meter band to Southern Africa. Remember, on DSTV, we're on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And if you're streaming us live, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be dipping into the work of the Zondo Commission and look into last week's lengthy testimony of Minister Pravin Gordon and uh, the drama surrounding it. Already I see there is an update on uh, the events that happened last week. Uh, It has been just reported that the Public Enterprises Minister of South Africa, Pravin Gordon, has actually uh, laid charges, that's criminal charges, against Julius Malema. And uh, this was when... uh, due to the fact that last week Malema launched a scathing attack on Gordon outside the Zondo Commission of Inquiry into State Capture where Godan was testifying. Malema made claims over contracts involving Godan's daughter Anisha, saying that they were allegedly awarded by National Treasury and also other government departments. Well, we didn't know that this was going to be happening this Monday but it seems that uh, this is something that we can actually unpack since we are going to be looking at uh, uh, Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Godanza um a testimony last week at the Zondo Commission. Uh, we know that that is a very important commission looking at the issue of state capture in South Africa, an issue that we've been following in various series in this particular debate program. Well, to help us on this issue, we joined on the line by Dr. William Bofu, who is a political analyst, joined alongside Sanusha Naidu, and also we have the Executive Direct- Director of Corruption Watch, uh, David Lewis. Let me start with you, Dr. Bofu. Definitely things are moving forward and the state capture issue is actually creating more layers of uh, political discourse in the country. What are your thoughts of the latest developments, especially regarding uh, this uh, criminal charge laid against Malema uh, by Minister Kodan? Um, The first thing that we should uh, observe and maybe celebrate is uh, South Africa's rigorous and uh, working democratic institutions. Uh, when politicians uh, bring each other out, grill each other, and uh, debate each other and expose each other, uh, it's all for the good of public accountability of political processes and of politicians as individuals. And in Africa, we should celebrate South Africa for that great example. And then um, 
what is happening here is a political problem that is beginning to have um, social, uh, economic, mm. personal, and other symptoms. So uh, these politicians that are cheering each other apart in public are all members of an elite class, a privileged class, but the fact that they are stripping each other naked, they are fighting these legal, these political, these social battles, is for the benefit of the populace and the public who must have their leaders openly accountable and their leaders openly subjecting themselves to probity. And I think that is happening well. Uh, personal uh, issues will be entangled with political issues like mm. Godani's family has been brought in, uh, is complaining about his own rights being violated. All that happens in a rigorous uh, uh, political process and more spectacles are to be expected. Mm. Let me bring it to you, Sanusha. The latest developments are very interesting. Praveen Godan files defamation charges against Julius Malema, all coming from the events of last week outside of the Zondo Commission uh, after that lengthy or during that lengthy uh, Praveen Gordon testimony. Uh, very interesting times, isn't it? So last week, in terms of the reaction of the EFF to the Zondo Commission, and in particular to the way that they uh, uh, responded to, to, the, to the minister and as well to the fact that the co- commission's being housed in a media space which they don't necessarily agree with. They see this media house as being contested as, at the same time. I think it's opened up a, 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 an avenue in which I think from where we were in 94 to where we were supposed to be going um, in the context of what the transition was supposed to have underwrote in terms of the human rights questions, the questions of social cohesion, etc., we're reaching a point where we also we also on the on the tipping point of intolerance and how certain of these narratives are being projected and the way in which these narratives are then being defined in the public space. Uh, through social media spaces as well. And I think it's producing very, very uh, interesting, if not divisive, narratives. And these divisive narratives in terms of how you want to project the Mm. image and how do you want to accept the validity of the statements becomes the critical question for me in terms of the validity of the statements and the statements that have been made. Mm. How do you how do you test them? Empirically uh, disprove them, etc., or prove them, etc. And that has been for me the more the more kind of uh, critical question, uh, and at times a bit disturbing as well because of what it or what it does to the social dynamic. So it may be moving from political to social, but I think it, in terms of where we're going as a as a nation, I think it also raises questions of um, the, 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 the social cohesion issues and whether or not we're really grappling with the idea of what is it what what is the the, the the project all about at the end of the day? Well, let's just uh, just cross over to uh, uh, what's happening outside uh, this uh, particular Brooklyn police station in Pretoria East. Um, Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon is currently speaking there to the media. But what comments in particular? Would you say have been the tipping point that you've got to the position now where you want to approach the police? No, I think the, the, the statements outside the Zondo Commission and the efforts to disrupt the Zondo Commission, uh, that's unacceptable. So there's a direct relationship between the disruptive activities, the personal attacks, 
uh, and continuing and masking uh, the corrupt activities that are actually going on and blaming the whole world uh, for everything. Uh, whereas all the fingers are pointing in a particular direction. Sorry, one more. Uh, like a quick La ladies first. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> um, I just want to know, sir, you will be heading to the Equality Force as well. What do you hope to achieve there? And do you fear for the safety of your families? Yes, there were, there were remarks made uh, outside the Zondo Commission which said there could be casualties. And if you go on attacking people the way you are attacking them, the next logical point is, are we facing some kind of physical harm uh, or even elimination as a result of uh, what are now exacerbated or exaggerated differences uh, when in fact there's no actual place for that. So you're promoting hatred uh, uh, and that is what the Equality Court is there to, to address. Well, that's the voice there of uh, South Africa's Public Enterprises Minister, Praveen Kodan, speaking outside the Brooklyn uh, Police Station in Pretoria East right now uh, to some reporters. A very interesting viewpoint and actually touching to what Sanusha was highlighting in terms of the work that's happening in the commission. And let me come to you, David Lewis, uh, in terms of all these different arenas and the platforms in which this whole thing is playing out because we have this... Uh, uh, social media narrative, as was highlighted by Sanusha. We have the spectrum of what's happening outside uh, the commission, as we've seen the BLF, we've seen the EFF outside of the uh, commission in itself, and the work of the commission. And all these, we're trying to see which narratives we should actually follow. What are your thoughts on what's um, unfolding here? Well, you know, I'm not... You know, nobody who supports free speech likes to see somebody else's freedom of speech curtailed or limited. But, you know, quite frankly, uh, Mr. Malema really crossed some lines last week. You know, you, can, you have the right to free speech. You don't have the right to hate speech. You have the right to free speech. You don't have the right to incite violence, uh, both of which he did. You know, you have the right to free speech but you can't persistently tell untruths without them being tested. And, you know, in this instance, uh, Malema has the perfect opportunity to have his allegations tested because he could come before the Zondo Commission and make those allegations. Instead, he chose to speak in very violent terms. He chose to uh, hold the commission in contempt. He mm. referred to the chair of the commission as someone who was robbing the poor, he referred to the head of the legal team of the commission the, as, a, as a bastard on several occasions. And this just crosses lines that, that uh, protecting free speech uh, doesn't uh, uh, permit. Mm. And so I'm not surprised that this has been done by Pravin Gordon. I mean, to show his... To, 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 say that there was going to be bloodshed, there were going to be uh, casualties, and then to show a picture of his daughter on, on social media, whom he had just accused of being corrupt without, it seems, a very solid foundation, although if he wants that tested, as I say, he should go before the commission, but to show that picture of hers and put that together with the sort of casualties that he threatened seems to me a direct incitement to violence against against uh, Gordon's daughter. Mm. So, you know, I think, you, you know, this transgresses democratic norms, you know. 
Democracy is as much about how you behave as the structures in which you, uh, in which uh, the executive is held accountable, in which the people are representative. And this representative, this is behaviour that that doesn't uh, pass muster with uh, the requirements of a democratic state. Well, we're going to take a quick break. That's the voice there of David Lewis, Executive Director of Corruption Watch, and joining us on this uh, developing story. We also have Sanusha Naidu and uh, Dr. William Boff, who are giving us their political analysis uh, this morning on the issue of uh, Pravin Gordon and his uh, uh, testimony before uh, the Zondo Commission. But it seems the story is developing. We haven't even went into that testimony because this morning we've seen a developing issue whereby Gordon has actually went to the Brooklyn uh, police uh, station and has actually laid three charges. One of them is uh, charges of criminal uh, defamation. Another is criminal injury and incitement of violence. So let's take a quick break and we'll come back and continue with this very, very uh, interesting story with so many dynamics. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize it's just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mashatama, this morning. Remember, at around 11.45 Central African time, we'll have our business news, and thereafter we'll have our sports. Well, today we're still looking at this uh, big story right now, and as I mentioned, we just heard uh, uh, before the break, uh, uh, the Minister of Public Enterprises, Pravin Kodan, who was very uh, central last week at the Zondo Commission of Inquiry into State Capture, and uh, he's now just outside the Brooklyn police station in Pretoria is laying three charges against uh, EFF leader Julius Malema against a uh, criminal defamation, criminal injuria, incitement of uh, violence. Those are the three charges. But there was more that actually happened even before um, Pravin Godan actually appeared before um, the uh, state uh, commission inquiry or the state capture inquiry. Uh, Pravin was actually subpoenaed to appear before public protector Busisiwem Kwebane and uh, this also brought a lot of issues to the forefront some people saying it's a political conspiracy and some saying that the public protector was merely uh, doing uh, uh, her job um, Dr Mpofu that was another dynamic as well into um, this particular uh, testimony that actually was uh, complex, made, made things more complex and showed that there were other uh, dynamics that us ordinary people would have not even understood uh, if we didn't hear these voices coming out. Yes, uh, it's a part of the spectacular unfolding of the political. Uh, when the political unfolds through events and through what individuals do, 
Sometimes it pretends to be legal. Sometimes it pretends to be social. Sometimes it pretends even to be religious. And uh, politicians as elites, uh, social, economic, uh, and, and political, and otherwise, uh, when they are under pressure, they project themselves as victims. They project themselves as warriors. They project themselves as courageous. So what all these individuals that are acting out this drama are doing is normal in, 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 as far as politics is concerned. And um, observers and analysts uh, need to be observant on what is taking place. Are people playing victim? Uh, are people playing heroic? Uh, are people dramatizing things? But over and above what we should look for, how does this benefit the ordinary bread eaters mm. and water drinkers of Africa and mm. of South Africa in particular. These elite games, uh, these people that can afford lawyers, these people that can approach the law, these people that can speak in parliament, and these people that can be listened to and be covered in the media. Mm. In these games that they are playing, what is in it for the ordinary water drinker and the ordinary bread eater in South mm. Africa? That's what is important, I mm. must say. Sanusha, are these just games or are we seeing a trajectory in terms of uh, the corruption fight in South Africa? Uh, especially when we saw the contradictions there, especially uh, Pravin Godan being subpoenaed before the public protector. Uh, mm-hmm. That was another dynamic that was controversial in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Benjamin, I think it's, it's, it's really a, an interesting point you raise because the question is, you know, what is the intention? Is it about the dynamics of what has become um, the, the the way in which um, the issues around state capture, corruption, nepotism, patronage networks, etc., have mm. all become convoluted and overlapped in a sense where you're not sure where one starts and where the other ends. And so in, in trying to untangle this maze that we see ourselves in, um, you, you're going to end up in a situation where some of the people that you thought you know, um, that perhaps stood on, on, on the one side of, of state capture, which I think in South Africa we try to create these compartmentalizations of issues. So either you're on the good side or the bad side. Mm. We've seen some things emerge under, under the Zondo Commission where, for example, the former finance minister, Nene, acknowledged that he felt his conscience uh, got the better of him and so he resigned because of the fact that he had met with the Guptas and so mm. forth. Mm. So I think these are the questions. These are the very critical questions around what are the, is this, is this just a, a political game? Is it more than this? But I think for me, it is about the nature of what we see as, 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 the, as, as, the, as the issues that have become manifested in our governance and the political body and the social body, which has, has economic, social economic implications. So the question is, going back to some of the points that my two colleagues have raised, in terms of one, the intention, and how do we disaggregate the intention in the context of what does this mean for ordinary people on the ground, and what is what is what is going to be the impact? And of course, the question is, when does how do you define uh, the, the the line of free speech, and when does it tip over into something other than free speech, or it becomes almost uh, a set of 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 of, 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 uh, of of statements that can become very very uh, destructive and divisive and try and push forward a particular kind of interpretation of events. And that's what it is. It's how we're interpreting it. So on social media, you have these very interesting dynamics emerge around either you on the one side or you're on the other side. Mm. On the other hand, you've had 
the, the, the National Editors Forum, the South African National Editors Forum, having a, 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 their own meeting about how to protect the integrity of, the, of journalism and the journalists who supposedly have been accosted by what have been the implications of some of these, these, these statements that have been made. So I think to find the intention, but the point I want to make here mm. is also the question of the institutions we have in the state and these institutions which are supposed to uphold the integrity of our democratic processes and the democracy and, the, and, 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 and of course, the freedom of speech. But at the same time, you know, there's also the question of the, the, the general public, how much of trust do they have in these mm-hmm. institutions and what is the trust? And so when you saw the kind of questions that emerge in the Zondo Commission right now and in, the, in, in how the narratives are being projected and portrayed and what is the intention of these narratives, then the question also becomes is, in, in, in the eyes of the general public, how do they perceive the Zondo mm, Commission? Mm, and do, mm. we, do ordinary South Africans trust the institutions of the mm. state? Mm. Well, let me take it to you, David. I mean, before this commission was actually established, I know Corruption Watch was very much that watchdog that was speaking around state capture and the reports around it. You guys were very vocal, David, even yourself as the executive director of this body. Um, In terms of seeing how things are unfolding now at the commission, all these contradictions, especially around these powerful figures. I mean, we were speaking about Tlantlan and how he resigned. That was Sanusha Naidu's point. And also we're seeing also how also Pravin Godan has been linked to the, 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 the Guptas themselves, I mean, not just the fact that he met them, but also the fact that even within uh, the ANC, he was pressured to bat for, for the Guptas. But also there's new dynamics that are coming out in terms of his associations to, to capital uh, versus his daughter and those allegations that were made uh, by uh, EFF leader Julius Malema last week. Well, you know, I think that the commission has been going rather well. You know, these things, you know, unfold slowly. Mm. Uh, you know, but there have been, you know, interesting revelations. And it's not so much the is he guilty, is she innocent kind of revelations sure. that I'm looking for, but rather the explanations of how this all happened and how it can be prevented from happening again in the future. And I think that... Gordon's testimony has been interesting. Jonas's testimony has been interesting. Barbara Hogan's testimony, which really brought the whole sort of situation, parlous situation of the ANC into the reckoning, has been has been very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 Lungisa Fuzile's testimony was very very important. I I thought so. I think it's been going rather well, and I think that that's why. One needs to be really concerned about what happened outside uh, uh, the, the commission last week. And I say this because even though the commission has been going well, the political situation in South Africa is quite sort of delicately poised and fluid. And if the commission allows this sort of conduct to continue, if it allows itself to be held in contempt, if it allows the chairman of the commission to be held in contempt and the key officials of the organization to be held in, in contempt, it's going to affect the credibility of their results. You know, if, for example, they find, I, I, you know, against Gordon under these circumstances, they're going to be thought to be bowing to, uh, um, to EFF pressure. If they find for Gordon and his testimony and 
generally are are supportive or, or persuaded mm. by his testimony, mm. they're going to be accused of being of of the opposite of being uh, dominated by a powerful minister. So I think it's incumbent upon the, the commission to draw the line, and it has the chairman of the commission has very powerful statutory remedies to uh, constrain this kind of conduct. And he needs to do that, not because he needs to punish somebody, but he needs to uphold the integrity and the dignity and the standing of the commission. And I think that needs to be done urgently and seriously. I mean, in many ways, it's a pity that, um, that, it's, that Gordon had to lay the criminal charges. I think the chair of the commission should have been laying uh, criminal charges, although, you know, obviously he, in his person, has not been as directly implicated in in uh, Malema's uh, uh, ragings outside the commission as Gordon has been. But there are transgressions of the Commissions Act here that I think the, the uh, Justice Ondo needs to take into consideration. Mm. Okay, let me take a quick break, and then I, I want to see some of these contradictions, especially the point that... Uh, we saw um, the fact that Pravin Godan has actually admitted that he actually met up with the Guptas, which was a different response that he gave in Parliament. How does that actually make things different in terms of his testimony, or is he still credible in, in that regard? Let me take a quick break. I'll be back after this. It's 11.30 Central African time. Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host. Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. Yeah. You are listening to Channel Africa. This is where you get the African perspective. This is African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday, we contextualize some of the big issues on the African continent. Today, we are looking at South Africa's State Capture Commission, which is very big right now. And it's a very good example of what happens when you actually have a transparent process looking at uh, governance issues. And this is a governance issue more than anything. And just today, if you're just joining us, we've been speaking about how uh, Public uh, Enterprises Minister Pravin Kodan has laid three charges against EFF leader Chules Malema and uh, also uh, he's laid charges of uh, criminal defamation, criminal injuria, incitement of violence. But I want to go back to some of the details during uh, Pravin Kodan's uh, testimony, uh, Dr. Mboff, in terms of sometimes we really hero worship uh, Pravin Kodan and it seems like 
we've underestimated the fact that there were contradictions in terms of former statements that he's made and some of the things that he's brought forward uh, to the commission. Uh, There was a 2016 question by the Democratic Alliance in Parliament whereby it was asked whether he met the controversial Gupta family where he's denied that he'd ever met them. However, in the commission, we heard him saying that he had meetings with uh, uh, some of uh, the uh, people aligned to uh, uh, the Gupta family told the commission uh, how he's never been to Saxon World. However, he's had meetings with uh, Mr. Ambani as a business person linked to the Reliance Communications Company. He also said that he was once with uh, the Gupta brothers in a meeting whereby they were with the billionaire Indian businessman Anil Ambali. What are your thoughts around those uh, contrasting uh, realities that now are coming to the forefront? Yeah, politically and otherwise, uh, those are statements that are not only interesting to the public, but are also of interest to the public. Because um, once people become heroes, once people become leaders, or once people become role models, uh, they tend to become creatures of the imagination. They live in our minds, we worship them, we follow them, but forget that all these individuals in politics are fallible, they are inconsistent, and that they've got weaknesses that should be watched. And I think uh, the case of um, uh, the minister is a clear case of a politician being watched, politicians watching each other, and Mm. the public getting access to these concealed and usually hidden realities about our heroes and our leaders. And I think it's important that these people get demystified and get rehumanized as fallible human being rather than these untouchable heroes. And I think what is happening is important and the public should take interest. Hmm. Sanusha, what are your ideas in terms of that narrative, especially whether I met the Guptas or not? Because that seems to be what's pinning this particular commission. And I find that exhausting, whether you met the um, Guptas or not. Um, is, is that something that we should be focusing on? And what are your thoughts around the contrasting uh, statements that we saw uh, or heard from Pravin Kodan? Yeah, so there's two things for me here, Benjamin. One is if you met the Guptas or you had any kind of direct or indirect association with them, then we have to be wary. And that has become the overriding narrative. So mm. the question is, uh, what, depends what you just, you know, did you meet them in a, in a function? Did they directly focus you for a meeting? I mean, that has become the key, the sure. key feature of, of defining one's uh, innocence or, 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 or non-innocence. And then, of course, the question then becomes, what did you speak about? Now, if you go back, there was, a, there was a point you made in your in your in your in your statement about this issue about you know he met the Guptas or he didn't meet the Guptas, but he met Ambani, but he didn't go to Saxwell. It's interesting when we start to unpack the, the the narrative and we unpack the evidence. So, in his evidence, he said. Firstly, he said he's not sure because of memory and memory lapses and whatever else. So that was the first issue. The second issue was really the question of he didn't meet the Guptas directly, but he did meet with Ambani, but he kept emphasizing, I wasn't at Saxon World, I've never been to Saxon World. I met the, uh, Mr. Ambani at a hotel somewhere in Pretoria or wherever, and that was again through his, his, his um, I'm not sure if it was his DG or what his, or what his um, uh, 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 what you call this, uh, aid or whatever. But the point here is that he says they never had any discussion on state 
on issues of state contracts. There was a discussion around MTN, but nothing came, there was nothing that emerged out of that in a concrete way. And so this is the big question, I think, for us in South Africa right now, and that is, you know, if you had any dealings with the Guptas, direct or non-direct, it kind of raises a specter or a cloud of, 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 uh, that hangs over you because the way in which the, 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 the Guptas have become infamous in our political landscape. The second thing is unpacking the evidence that he has presented in, uh, at the Zondo Commission. And there's a point here where the question is, you know, what will happen if indeed there is a level in which the Zondo Commission uh, does does rule or doesn't rule or leaves it open in terms of the fact, how do you want to interpret Minister Gordon's engagement with the Gupta family? Because he comes back later in the evidence and he says there was Tony or one of the Gupta brothers there at the mm, meeting mm, with mm. Ambani. Now, if, and, and, and what we do all about the Guptas is that they are very good networkers and, and good at patronage networking yeah. as well. So I think the challenge then becomes is how do we, how does he, how does he either get, um, what you call this, uh, his, his evidence is portrayed in the Zondo Commission or whatever outcome comes out of that in terms of his credibility, integrity, etc. And then there's also the court of public opinion. Mm. And that's what we're sitting with here now. And this is, I find it interesting in terms of how the EFF mm. has managed this because they start off with that very same issue mm. that he may, he may have misled the public about his uh, engagement with the Gupta, mm. whether directly or indirectly. So here's the thing that I, have, I, I think is also important. In the world of politics, in the world that we, are, that we deal with, it's sometimes very difficult to not be in the same function as a Gupta family member. Uh, does it mean, if they come up to you and say hello, does it mean that we have a relationship and there's some kind of issues there? But it goes much further in the context of the evidence that Godan has given. And I find it curious that the EFF has then moved systematically in terms of that and went on to the kinds of statements they issued outside mm. The, the, the Zondo um, uh, inquiry last week. Mm, mm. Well, let me bring it to you, David. Can we still trust Pravin Godan, the fact that he has made these contrasting views, whether he met or he didn't meet the, um, the, 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 um, the Guptas, or is he also under the spotlight now? I don't think that he really is. I mean, he's given an account of his, of his one brief meeting with a Gupta brother sure. that I find persuasive. I mean, the idea that he he told a lie, that he had met them. He said he forgot that he'd met them. And, you know, you know, one thing one should know about the Guptas is that when they became interesting, they became interesting. Before that, they were not probably not very interesting people. You know, they were just a bunch of cheap, hustling business people who lobby cabinet ministers and regulators and all the time. And I could easily imagine, um, you know, meeting the Guptas for two <laughs> minutes as, as it was and forgetting that you ever met them. I mean, in the case of, in the case of, of, of Infanta Nene, it seemed that there were several meetings, I mean, quite a few meetings, and, and, and that there were meetings at the house. And it doesn't seem reasonable to claim, and Nene never did claim this, that he, that he hadn't met them or that he couldn't remember meeting them. In, in Gordon's case, you know, I, I could find it pretty uncontroversial. And as I say, you know, these are just two, as I say, two or three, however many he met, banal, 
business people, as I say, of the sort that he probably had to encounter and and uh, shove aside all the time. Um, so, you know, to me, it's a non-issue, actually. Okay, let's wrap it up. And I think I want us to go just briefly looking at the also the intra-ANC politics in terms of the state capture uh, issue because they came out during uh, Godan's testimony, Dr. Mpofu. What are your thoughts around that? Um, the, 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 the minister really spoke really against uh, uh, the issue of uh, what was happening around uh, his relationship uh, in terms of uh, the... Uh, around the issues of him being actually uh, persuaded to be on the side of uh, the Guptas within uh, the ANC. Another issue that came out from a political uh, dimension was the fact that uh, uh, Pravin Godan and Batabile Dlamini's relationship uh, was very strained while she was the Minister of Social Development Department. And uh, she was wanting more leeway in terms of uh, um, money in the treasury um, and we saw constraints in that regard. So that factionalism was actually also exposed in this particular testimony. Definitely, yeah, it's a multi-directional development that uh, sometimes makes some uh, unintentional exposures, uh, unintended uh, uh, disclosures that uh, come up as these uh, politicians grapple with each other. And I think observers can actually watch the cracks. They are not only inter-party but also intra-party. Uh, and uh, it's not a linear uh, uh, strategy. These tensions are multi-directional. And mm. there is a big way in which this is connected to political factionalism mm. in South Africa, not just within parties but even uh, amongst the political elites themselves. And uh, my observation is that is important as far as it allows the South African polity to, to, to transparently look at who their leaders mm. are and what these leaders are doing. And it creates a template whereby leaders, if they are going to have any meetings with anyone next time, they should be aware that even the smallest meeting in the corridor might end up in parliament the smallest uh, coffee drink in a small restaurant in a corner of the country can end up uh, in the eyes of the state. That teaches uh, politicians mm. uh, the whole idea of transparency, accountability, and profit. And mm. in that way, it should be celebrated. Well, we've got a minute and a half left, Sanusha. What are your is- your issues that uh, came out in terms of that intra-party uh, dynamic in uh, the um, ANC? Yeah, I think it does tell us that there's a lot that's happening in the party that, uh, in a sense, needs to be uh, assessed in a much more uh, uh, open uh, way, needs to be more explicit. There's a lot of... I mean, it confirms what has been the analysis around the factions, the the different uh, uh, constituencies and how they all relate to each other and the power dynamics in the party. It's It's not something that is perhaps new, we, we kind of understood these, the inter-party dynamics and we've seen the, play, the, 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 the way it's played out mm-hmm. in the context of, of, of the political landscape. And so what has come, and I think even today, you know, listening to the Rwanda Commission, you can see the way these dynamics unfolded. Mm-hmm. If you listen to the former DT and, mm-hmm. and some of the issues that came out with regard to when uh, Desmond Royan was appointed as mm-hmm. the successor to Nene in 2015 and the way in which 
uh, a member of the, the economic cluster of the party, I think it's the subcommittee on economics, phoned mm. him and said, you know, you're going to have a Gupta minister. Mm. I think those dynamics started to uh, confirm what, we, what, we, what we've always said was going on in the party. And I think it's coming out in a much real way, which, as David had indicated earlier, mm. that this is also giving us an insight into the, the machinery of the party and the, machi- and, and, and the way in which political expediency is playing out. Well, let's wrap it up there. Thank you so much to Sanusha Naidu uh, joining us on the line alongside Dr. William Bofu. Uh, thank you as well to David Lewis, who is the Executive uh, Director of uh, Corruption Watch. This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, Guess what? You can now listen to Channel Africa using Silozi, Chinyanja, Kiswahili, Portuguese, French and English, giving you an African perspective. Hi, my name is Tandalun Yenzovo and you are listening to Channel Africa. We are Channel Africa from an African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective.